Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my co-host of the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. Oh, thank you so much, Sean. It's so good to be back and have more conversations from our kitchen table up here in northern Wisconsin. You know, Sean, sometimes you and I get invited to go to events and, you know, you never know how the event's going to go. But more importantly, you never know who you're going to be sitting next to at the event. And will the conversation be great or will it be boring? We went to an event uh, for live action out in Washington, D.C., and, which is, you know, Lila Rose's pro-life group, which is doing so much great work. And we hit the jackpot. I mean, we sat next to two of the most interesting people we've met in a long time. And we liked him so much. We said, we'd like to get you on the podcast. And it turned out he had his own podcast, which now I'm addicted to. Um, and he is the host of the Bryce Eddy Show. Bryce Eddy, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thank you for that introduction. You guys are so wonderful. Well, I felt the same because uh, sitting next to you both was just a blast. We did have fun. Well, we, it turned into a little bit of what Sean and I talk a lot about at night after the kids go to bed. <laughs> and it turns out you and your wife not only talk about the same sort of zombie apocalypse, civil unrest that could happen. How do we prepare in case? But it turns out you guys have actually taken steps and you have a background which gives you sort of an advantage in the kind of steps to take just in case. And so before we get started on why why you think that, you know, we should prepare for that possibility, why don't you first let our listeners know what your background is so we know who we're talking to and and why we should listen to what you have to say. All right. Well, hey, thank you for that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, what's funny is I, I'm, I'm a really just a, a mixed martial artist business guy who also happens to have a, a podcast and uh, I I have a security consulting company. Um, but what uh, made me get into um, some of this stuff, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm naturally a situationally aware guy and I think about, um, you know, those sort of complex things in this universe that we're in. But we made some predictions on a podcast that we were doing before my current show, and it was called Tabletop Debrief. And on the Tabletop Debrief, I was having guys from all walks of life within the uh, profession of arms or the security business or law enforcement or military on. And it it uh, came out of the the time during the pandemic. And we made predictions on that show, including the uh, uh riots that we had before George Floyd was killed. And we said, hey, this is what's going to happen. We're going to have, you know, major unrest in the city. It's going to be surrounded uh, uh, by uh, the race narrative. And sure enough, that happened. And there's some other things that we did before we got, uh, you know, kicked off um, YouTube for saying some things that now apparently you're allowed to say. It's funny how that's happening now. You know, Bryce, I talked to a lot of people and I'll, I'll preface it by saying, I know I'm crazy. Maybe I'm losing my mind. Um, but these are some of the things that I see happening, whether it's um, whether it's economic collapse because of massive debt, the Federal Reserve printing nine trillion nine trillion dollars over the last 12 years and the spending. There's there's no end in sight. We'll be at 50 trillion dollars in debt in 10 years from now. And so I look at that and it's unsustainable. You can't continue that. 
If not that, then I'm like, there's, you, there is political persecution. There's a, there's an effort by the government. It seems like to go after people who have wrong think, and it's we've never been that way. But that really concerns me, and it always begs the question: How do you protect yourself? How do you protect your family? I, I, I and again, I hope it never happens. I hope that we go back to to a, a place and a time where we can respect each other and each other's points of view and their races and their beliefs. But I don't see that on our horizon. So if something bad is to happen, uh, Bryce, what what should people think about? What should they be doing? Where should they be going? What's your thoughts? Yeah, well, to be thinking this way, of course, or even talking about it, you get called a conspiracy theorist, right? Uh, but, you know, just merely identifying conspiracies and how many do you have to identify to, to you know, uh, be right and not be called a theorist any longer. Um, but but I think there's a couple of different ways that we need to look at this. There are mass disruption events, right? Um, you know, chaos in our cities and things like that that can happen that will cause a disruption to our real fragile uh, supply chain. We've we already saw some of those things during the pandemic where all of a sudden you couldn't get toilet paper because there was a mass run on toilet paper and things like that. Um, so you know, from that perspective, you definitely need to prepare by, um, you know, having a, a adequate supplies, having essentials. Um, I'm a big believer in having emergency food supplies. So, um, you know, generally you want that for at least a couple of months. Um, you know, any longer than that, you know, the, there's a whole host of other troubles and, and you've done some, uh, you know, you've done some poor planning if that's all you have. Uh, because the number one thing that we need to be thinking about is in terms of um, community, right? Community will allow us together to share resources and really survive almost any, uh, you know, incoming issues, including war. So are you saying that if you're a conservative and you live in a blue state or a blue neighborhood, you might not be safe in this if something were to happen? Because let's be honest, I think this morning we heard that now there's a third indictment on President Trump. Uh, we've never seen the stuff we're seeing that's they're trying to normalize is not normal. We've never seen the number one candidate, you know, persecuted in this way. And we know that that's they're coming for everybody if they're coming for him in that way. So so if you're if something happens and you're in a you're in a blue state, you're in a blue neighborhood. Should you have a place somewhere red that you should go to? Or should you really be thinking about at this point, given everything that's happened already and that we think might happen, should you be thinking about making, you know, building some roots somewhere else? Yeah. I mean, you need to get out of blue cities specifically. Um, the danger with blue states is if persecution and prosecution are coming. I mean, we're seeing it here in California. They're doing all kinds yeah. of uh, crazy things. I'm calling it the velocity of atrocities, the number of laws that they are uh, proposing or passing that are, you know, really against conservatives, against um, Christians, you know, that sort of stuff is happening now already. So, you know, my uh, advice to people is get to red states, get to solidly red states if you can, and, you know, build communities there. But everybody needs to get out of blue cities. I mean, that's where the apocalypse, if we indeed have one, um, that's where the zombies exist. And and it's right. nine meals, uh, nine missed meals to chaos. You know, and I think a lot of people look at conservatives in a uh, in a blue city. I think I saw a stat. California has more conservatives than any other state. Um, right. But the state is so big uh, and there's so many, you know, uh, so many more blue residents that they swamp the conservatives. And so a lot of people have jobs. Bryce, they can't and they and they can't leave their 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 blue city or their blue state. But then do you think about well, who, what friends do I have? Or I buy a little parcel of land I can't maybe live on yet, but it's you know in a in a in a red state or a red city. Is that the way people are supposed to think about it? Or if they can't leave, is there something else they should do to be preparing for um for their own security and safety? Should you know these riots happen or you know other blue city craziness takes place? Yeah. So a great question. So I, I have, um, you know, reason to be here on the front lines. Right. And that's what California really is. And you're right. There's a lot of conservatives here, but um, I've got property and land in Idaho. I've got resources there. Um, we have a great community there already. In fact, uh, I was just there last week, uh, heading back in a, in a few weeks. And so, you know, um, 
that same podcast that uh, that uh, we have, and I say it on my podcast all the time, uh, that you know you have to have a um, you know send the women and the children to the hills kind of an idea, um, right? And obviously, you know, there's plenty of women that are very tough uh, too, but you have to have these um, escape plans. You have yeah. to have a uh, a, uh, a base to go to uh, in the event that things get really really rough, but you can't wait until you've got you know, no resources or, you know, things are under attack. And I understand people who have jobs and are concerned and not sure that they can make it someplace else or or can't move those things. But you can't also wait until it's too late. Yeah, it's such a good point. So when we were sitting together having dinner, you know, I shared with you sort of how Sean and I started to think about it. Okay, so if we needed a second place that we could go to um, or eventually live in, right? Um, cause I think we do want, Sean, I do want to move to a red state and a lot of our friends and colleagues have done that. And we're, we want, we want to put our mind in that, in that mindset. Where do you go? Right? Like, what are the things to think about? And Sean always thinks about Wisconsin cause we have, you know, he's from here. We have a little cabin here. Um, he has family here. I have to tell you, Bryce, in the winter, if there is an emergency, it's cold here. Um, so what kinds of things in terms of water, temperature, um, community, what, do you, what, should, what should people be thinking about as they start to think about states and communities to have that little place at? Yeah, well, in a, in a you know, really terrible time, the only thing that you really need to be thinking about is food and water, Right. Right. And, and so you definitely want to be in a place with where water is plentiful, um, where you have access to water. Um, and, and that being said, like, you know, Wisconsin or, um, you know, South Dakota or places where you can literally freeze to death. Um, if you have a very strong community, like people can survive. I mean, human beings are amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we're missing and are lacking a lot of skills that we used to have. Um so, uh, you know, you definitely want to accumulate some skills, but we can survive anywhere. But you definitely, uh, you know, I'm of the mind to make it as easy as possible on us and be strategic. And so, um, you know, places where there is water, arable land, um, where you do have the ability to, you know, get all you need, uh, you know. Count. So, so, so Bryce, why don't you that. eliminate eliminate some red states that you would not think about going well, to? Like I think about Arizona. And New Mexico water problems, right? Yeah, and that's a fair point. Um, I think of them in terms also of there's a lot of states that are um, very appealing to the left. Be, you know, the left is really funny, right? They they'll ruin a California, they'll destroy someplace. Um, the you know conservative, responsible people will go to another place that's maybe not so great that doesn't have as great weather or you know, all the things that, that make like a California appealing. And then they'll take all of their bad decisions and bad policies there and not understand why they ruin it over time. And you have you have cities right now. Tennessee is a perfect example where it's got some uh, really uh, challenging blue cities where there's a lot of chaos and a lot of problems. And it also appeals to the left. So although you have a lot of conservatives moving there, you also have a lot of left uh, wingers moving there that are going to be voting in some of those same policies over time. So I think in 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 those terms, too, uh, not mm-hmm. just, uh, uh, you know, not just, hey, how hot can it get? You know, do you really want to be melting in Phoenix uh, when the power goes out because there's infrastructure problems? Right. They're all going to Montana, Florida. the liberals. Oh, they're, they're, listen, but, but also Florida is a tough place. It gets really hot. And if the power goes out, it's a pretty miserable, miserable place to be. Yeah. Um, and I always I always think about, well, 200 years ago, where did people where did settlers want to go? And they kind of came through the middle of the country. It was, there was good land. It was decent weather. Um, and that's where they started to settle first, the best places first. But I want to make us just a side note here. As we're having this conversation, if, if some liberals or even conservatives are listening to this podcast, they might go, you guys have all lost your mind. You guys are a crazy town. What the hell are you talking about? And I just, I, I've, I've brought this up to the sanest people because I talk about it a lot about what I, what I think is happening. And again, I, I pray it doesn't, but I plan for if it does. But um, w- when you look at, again, an FBI and a DOJ that are going after parents who protest at a school board meeting, they're going after, as Rachel just mentioned, the, 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 the former president of the United States. 
um, prosecuting him, persecuting him. They're going after Catholics um, who go to Latin mass. This is just what we know is happening. We don't know uh, all the other targets that they have. And so it does feel like the, the government is coming for um, a, a group of people who have a mindset that probably is a little more freedom focused than, you know, the, the, the sheep that are in the Democrat liberal left wing movement. And so, that, again, we're talking about a, a, a conversation of if this should happen, how do you plan for it? Um, again, we all pray it doesn't. We all hope there's, you know, that sanity prevails. But the sanest people that I talk to, Bryce, um, I'll be shocked. It goes, they're thinking the same thing. People, and they, they don't want to talk about it, but they're thinking about it because they feel that something is shifting in the country and not for the better, but for the worse. And so as I think about it, you know, people, you, you mentioned kind of lost skills. Humans are amazing creatures. We survive in all kinds of different areas, but what skills should people brush up on? Should they go, you know what? I, I can raise a chicken or I can, you know, grow a garden. What, what should we be doing? I can shoot a gun. What should they be doing in, in preparation? Should bad things, you know, happen, you know, in the not too distant future? Well, listen, if you're the type of person that, you know, has a, a, you know, the ability to, you know, buy a ranch and you understand all about, uh, you know, animal husbandry and you can, you know, raise cows and all, all of that on your own. Okay, great. Terrific. You're amazing. You can be off the grid. Um, but most people need friends to survive this stuff. And if you look around your friend circle, there are people who, you know, have a talent with chickens and there are people who uh, know how to uh, deal with uh, hunting and game meats. There's people who, you know, know ranching or grew up on a milk uh, farm. You know, there's um, that. That's why I keep going back to community. You know, you need to, um, you know, like network with friends who share your ideals, um, who who can come together um, and and pool resources. That's what we need to do. And that's the way we need to think. Um, you know, there there are survival books. There's things that, you know, you can line your shelf with in an emergency that'll, you know, like, uh, you know, draw. Because if we don't have internet, you know, how are you going to figure out how to... Can't Google it. Yeah, how are you going to figure out how to do certain things? So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a believer in that. But do you guys want to know what really terrifies me? There's only one thing in all of this that scares me, and that is the central bank digital currency that's uh, uh, being pushed right now. Because that them interrupting our monetary system, uh, which which they're moving towards. Um, imagine the scenario. This is how they control behavior. If they can, through the flip of a switch, make your money not work for things that you want it to work for. For instance, they just decide that, you know, you you spent too much money on state and they don't want you to be eating animal protein anymore. Um, all of these transactions are coded. Everything that you use your digital credit cards and digital money on now, um, they will be able to just simply, simply flip that switch and you can't do it anymore. So, you know, Bryce, this is not some, you know, far off theory. We saw this happen with the Canadian truckers. Uh, we, we saw that happening even, you know, some of the charities that were, or the, the, the give, send, uh, the uh, uh, GoFundMe, you know, was stopping money from going to the truckers. And so people had to go to give, send, go. There are lots of ways that they are stopping um, money, that they're tracking our money. We saw that in January 6th. This is not a, a crazy, you know, right-wing conspiracy theory. It can happen. And they're working on it, right? Oh, they're talking about just the scenario that I just said, okay, about controlling how you spend your money. They've already announced that they're going to do that. And when the when the left or the elite oligarchy, because that's really who's who we're battling here, you know, the people yes. that would like to to have us be a feudal system and and to all of us be the serfs. They're the ones that are writing um, down and they're talking about this in speeches and they're saying this is what we are going to do. So believe them when they say it. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned. Every baby is a miracle from God, worthy of love, protection, 
and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Well, so I, I look at this in um, like nuclear uh, splitting of the atom, right? It could be used for, you know, a beautiful thing like, you know, uh, a, a really cheap energy or it could be used for a bomb. Blockchain technology is the same. It was a great device used for um, free. I think of coin uh, as the first one with blockchain technology. And now the government sees and the global fee it is, uh, uh, can also be used for great control. And so... Um, yeah, if you can't, if you can't use your dollar, and I always bring this up, um, I did this in Congress, but a $20 bill can be used to buy groceries, buy gas. It could be used to buy a prostitute or drugs. The freedom of a 20, and again, I'm not advocating that, but the freedom of a $20 bill and how it can be used is remarkable. If the government can step in and say how you can use that $20 bill that is remarkable freedom of currency, the power of the state is remarkable. And it's kind of brought me to the place where and Rachel had come along a little bit in my, my, my craziness, but I've invested a little bit in gold and silver. I've gone to the St. Joseph Partners. It's a guy I met from one of Rachel's friends. Um, I'm like, you send them money. And I'm like, am I going to get the gold and silver? I, I, I don't know. And I, actually, I sent them the money and, the, and I got the gold and the silver. But I mean, a little bit of some other currencies that have been used, should this happen, I think people should think about as well. Yeah. I mean, our, our takeaways really are, you know, we want to diversify. So what you're doing right there is is exactly right. You know, I think we do have to have, um, you know, multiple forms of currency to the best of our ability. Um, we then need to have the essentials and we need to have things that are of value that we can uh, trade as well. We need to make sure that we've got, um, you know, enough to last a couple of months in a household if there is a mass disruption, disruption event. Uh, because I don't think people understand how fragile our system really is at the end of the day and and what's happening. And and maybe some folks, if you're if you're trying to, um, you know, engage in commerce or you're trying to, you know, build a house right now and do anything significantly, you're you're uh, you're seeing that there are supply issues. All of that yes. has happened. Um, you know, I'm talking to people every day that that, you know, have problems there. And then again, I'm going to keep stressing it. We survive based on community. Yeah, I think that I think you're you're a hundred percent right. Ammo, guns, um, having neighbors who have ammo and guns in case. Can I talk to you just on a more philosophical level sure. about how, as a Christian, we should sort of be in this moment that we're in, right? And I think there's two ways of looking at it. There are people who are like, we've got to be, you know, f- fighting back to make sure that whatever they have planned for us doesn't happen, right? To, to make our, our country free, to bring awareness to it, to be in the political fight. There's that, there's that instinct that so many people have, although way too few have that, right? A lot of people are just sort of silently, and we saw so many sheep during uh, COVID pandemic, um, you know, just kind of go along to get along. So there's that instinct as a Christian, like fighting to keep our power, if you will, in the public square and to try and protect our freedoms and our liberties and our ability to live the way we want to live. Then there's this other side where the, it's sort of like, we're going to hunker down. We're going to find our plot of land. We're going to homestead. I've been seeing so much of this, right? I'm going to homestead. I'm going to, you know, have little plots of land so my family and my little tribe can live together. We're going to try and preserve, you know, kind of hunker down and preserve our traditions and our our way of life until this time passes, I guess. Um, well, just tell me how you think about the world, because I'm so fascinated, because you're sort of in a lot of it, right? <laughs> yeah. And you're seeing so much in California. Maybe it's it's a little bit of a harbor, you know, what happens in California eventually seeps out to the rest of us anyway. Um, how should we be as Christians in this particular moment? Well, those two philosophies don't need to be mutually exclusive. Fair you enough. Know, 
Yeah. Um, I, I think we can do both. You know, we need to we need to protect ourselves. You know, we need to, um, you know, protect and fortify our homes. We need to do all the things that we've been talking about so far, but then still be engaging the culture. The reason that we got to the point that we have is because there was this false idea that um, Christians need to bow out of the culture and not participate in politics and not have a voice in the public square. Um, you know, the, we needed to be doing that all along and not be afraid of, um, you know, getting canceled and all those things. We let that happen to ourselves. You know, we we stopped uh, being bold many years ago and and said, well, well, this is just my private life. And, you know, we then allowed our culture to be taken over and destroyed. I mean, you know, we're allowing, um, you know, the destruction of our children. I mean, they're sterilizing our youth right now. Um, you know, all of these things are happening and it didn't get there overnight. And and we were shamefully silent. And, and you know, even now people are shamefully silent when, when so many radical things happen um, that you think people would stand up and voice massive objection. They, they're not, they've been, they've been cowed. They've been, they've been, they've, they've been self-censored and silenced. And I, I think that one of the, if you go to root causes and problems is we've taught, we haven't taught in the school system, the, the, the basic fundamental rights that uh, you have from God and from government. And therefore people don't understand why these rights are so important. And these young people are so willing then to give them up. That's why they'll, you know, talk about speech and violence and how it should be curtailed. And that was not the view of our founders. The, the, the freedom of speech is to protect speech that you disagree with, not speech that you agree with. Um, but again, because of the school system, you now have a whole generation of people who don't understand the importance of the rights that have been gifted to them. But I know in your line of work, as you deal with security, and by the way, just, you know, Rachel and I, we take some small little steps here and there as we think about if something happens, how do you prepare? Um, but you see that, you know, in, as I imagine in greater LA, where there is, you know, it seems like the, the police forces have retreated. There's, there's crime on the rise. There's homelessness. Laws aren't enforced, but there's people with money that also like security. They like to be safe and they'll use their money to protect themselves and their families. What are the, what are the rich people in yeah. liberal cities doing to protect their, their little, you know, families and homes and, from 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 the policies that they're advocating for in public that we all have to live with, but they want to protect themselves from. Yeah, I mean, they're you know what's funny is so uh, I I sat down with uh, with Charlie Kirk um, when I first met him in 2018, something like that, and um, I sat down with him and his uh, you know board of directors because he was getting um, uh, threats daily at this point. I mean, credible threats. He was being assaulted in airports and, you know, was, was trying to figure out, okay, Hey, what do we do with this now? And, um, and one of the board members who he and I have now become very, very dear friends. Um, he, he got it right. And he immediately said, we are becoming South Africa in the 1990s. And it's mm -hmm. interesting because the left, there was just an article out where they think we should be more like South Africa when it comes yeah. to um, uh, certain things. But but where what he meant was they have neighborhoods where the wealthy live that are um, guarded by men with rifles and, and guard towers, elevated positions over the neighborhoods watching for, um, you know, bad guys coming in. Um, and, and that's what's happening here. Um, our company and, and others are, um, doing that in neighborhoods where the billionaires live. Um, uh, security is no longer just a deterrent. Now we have active security. We now have people with scary weapons, quote unquote, um, you know, actually protecting these folks. Many of these people are quite liberal. Many of them are left leaning. Many of them are directly the cause of what we're seeing. You know, they are those feudal lords and, and they're, they're okay with their folks having guns and being protected by guns. But remember, liberty and, and all this liberty that's going around with all of these people being free, they consider that very messy. And, and they'd like to eliminate it for us and then, you know, manage it and, and hold it for their own. When you told me um, over dinner the scale of the protection that we're seeing in, you know, wealthy neighborhoods in Los Angeles, for example, uh, that, that you know, they're hiring people with like special forces skills to protect their neighborhoods. 
I was taken back to Latin America. I grew up in Latin America, um, you know, for some a few years there. And it's amazing. And, and other third world countries around the world, the rich in those countries have always had that sort of protection. And it was something that was very distinct from America at that when I when I experienced that, because when I lived in those countries, I suddenly became even though we were like middle class, you know, military family. When we lived in those countries, we were suddenly part of that elite set. Right. And mm -hmm. so we were also given that same kind of protection. And it was weird to me. I remember as an American thinking, guys, it's so weird. Like they have this special status and this special protection. I'm part of that. But in America, everybody has that. But now we don't live like that. And it's just another sign of, you know, when we say our gut instinct is telling us that things are changing, um, that we need to take more responsibility for our own security and the safety of our own families. And that in many ways, um, we are being persecuted. We are the targets at this, at this moment. And it's just a reminder to me, uh, you know, Bryce. I, I was just going to say that's you know one of one of the reasons why I love Idaho, right? And I think Idaho's unique uh, in this compared to even a lot of our other states, and that's why I've fallen in love with it. When we go there, it feels like it should be, or it feels like it used to be. Um, you know, the police there are not uh, you know hassling citizens about traffic tickets. In fact, I I, I have a, a number of guys that lateraled. You know, they went from being police here to police there. And talk about the differences and the pressure that they get from command staff and in terms of just even writing um, traffic tickets and things like that. It's not the same at all. And uh, and you you feel how safe it is there by comparison to here. Um, they're not having the follow home burglaries and things that we're having here in L.A. every day. Um, they're not having uh, Chilean uh, burglars uh, hi posing as hikers uh, here on travel visas coming in through the high-end neighborhoods and busting down, um, you know, through master bedrooms and, and you know, stealing all the watches and high-end purses, which is happening here all the time. Uh, can you go, can you explain that a little more? I, I, you and I had this, we had the conversation with Sean and, and you about this. Explain that, that blew my mind. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've been in the, the, you know, hills on some accounts we had where we actually caught uh, them. But this is um, so you have Chileans. I mean, literally Chileans. This isn't, uh, uh, you know, some kind of crazy attack on on them. This is happening. They we have uh, Chilean burglars coming here because there's some special, um, uh, you know, travel ease uh, uh for people coming over from Chile, they come over on travel um, uh, visas and are posing as hikers or going through uh, car parks and different things and will, um, you know, break into to homes. Uh, they, they do it at dusk. So they're they're waiting for people to go to dinner and things like that when kind of neighborhoods are, um, you know, not alerted. Uh, you know, it's different than the middle of the night. They don't want people home, but they're, you know, busting in and, you know, grabbing high end purses and watches and cash and, you know, things that people are leaving on their countertops that are worth money. And and they, uh, you know, spend a few months doing that and go back. Get a plane and, yeah, and leave the country. It's fascinating. And, you know, you, you're you're talking about the security. I mean, just talk about the security that 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 the elite have it, it reminds me too of, of they want to travel around on private jets they want yachts they want houses on beaches that allegedly are going to be overtaken with mass sea rise and they want private security all the things they don't want us to have i'm sure they're eating steak as they want us to eat bugs um and this 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 view they want the masses to live with and how they as elites want to live um, you can you can wrap it in a package of climate change. You can wrap it in a racism package. I don't care what kind of package you want to, 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 to wrap it in, but they're taking us not to the future. They're taking us back to the days before the ideas of our founders where people could govern themselves. They could live freely and have a government that was responsive to the people as opposed to a government that's oppressing the people. And they want to go back to that time where the elites oppress and the average citizen doesn't have rights. Um, and that's what's, I think, so shocking. And so many people don't actually see what they're, what the transition is they're trying to make. 
and it doesn't make things better. It doesn't make you wealthier. It doesn't make you more prosperous. It doesn't make you more free. It's the exact opposite of those concepts that they're actually selling you on that is going to make you freer and the earth's temperature is going to go down and we're going to be led. There's be less racism and more purity in the globe. If you take these, I would argue, Marxist concepts and adopt them and embrace them. And man, that's a, that's a, that's a scary frontier that the world through its history has seen in the past. And it's bad for the average man and average woman. You know, Bryce, you talked right. about predictions that a few years ago you had these people around the table on your podcast talking and so many of the things they predicted came to pass. What are your predictions now? Is it a climate lockdown? Is it or what? What is it a lockdown? Is it a another you know riots? What, what do you predict is happening? And what are the signs that we should step into action? Yeah. So, well, we need to step into action right now, and I want everybody to you know to start standing up now. You know, now is the time. Let's not wait until there is actual guns to our head before we go. Oh, wait, something's wrong here. Um, yes, agree. I agree a hundred percent on that. Great point. But, but really, you know, I think we need to shift the paradigm, though. Okay, so what's happening is even with conservative Christians, um, and and this is why. Look, I didn't have a crystal ball. The people that were around me and the people that were having these conversations, you know, we didn't have crystal balls. We just we we know that the, um, you know uh, mankind, you know, men, uh, we are sinful, right? Uh, we want to uh, pursue and accumulate power. And our, our government, uh, our founding fathers, right? Those, those guys that crafted this beautiful thing understood that. And so they did their best to decentralize everything and put power into the hands of we, the people. And, and so if you think in terms of everything is a move against that right now for people who, who want to accumulate power, right? And that's why they, they're splitting us over the ideas of communism and socialism and all of those sort of things, right? And they're making it a, um, a battle between corp, uh, you know, capitalism, right? Which these days we don't have. We do not have a free market yeah. at all. What we have is a you know corporate, uh, you know, uh, really a corrupt, crony capitalism. Uh, crony capitalism is is the right way to look at it, and and they're not trying to usher in socialism. They're using um, all of these tools, right? Marxism and all of that as a tool to to uh, again usher us into feudalism. And so if you start to look at it like that and, and yes. recognize that they're creating all these divisions, they use race, they use um, uh, envy is one of the greatest tools that they're using right now. Um, all of that is why we're being driven towards that point. Um, they're going to continue to try to centralize things and they're going to continue to try to create mass events that allow them to accumulate more power. That's what the lockdowns were. Um, that's why we had the massive transfer of wealth that we saw. They're going to, again, try to try to devalue our currency so that they can come in and say, hey, we have the answer. Here's the here's these digital tokens for you. You know, your money's not working so well anymore. It's not worth anything. Inflation is out of control. It's OK. We're going to reset it with a CBDC. And so okay. the, by, the, by the way, Bryce, we, we don't put enough emphasis on how much the pandemic took money away or, or power or economic power away from from small businesses yeah and transferred it to big corporations i mean there's just no talk about that and it's it's shocking because it's clearly what they did yeah i mean and certainly we talked about it a lot i mean i, I think you know that's why they disappeared my show at, uh, at one point <laughs> 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 You know, they don't they don't want that nonsense to be talked about. They don't want to, you know, do not look behind the curtain. Um, you know, they want us to all be caught up in this uh, the culture war kind of stuff when the truth mm. is that, you know, that's a tool for them to to fleece us and and rape these small businesses. And that's that is exactly what happened during the pandemic. And yes, they are going to be using, um, you know, climate um, you know, that's the real next big thing that they're going to be doing. Um, you know, they they're fleecing the taxpayers using Ukraine versus Russia. You know, I mean, uh, that that is a massive uh, money, uh, money laundering scheme. Yes. Um, you know, that's why there's not real clear accounting of where that money is going is because it's, you know, it's going over there and circling back to the people that are making all that stuff possible. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, but I think with the, with the pandemic. 
Um, you could ju- if you could judge it by saying how many people have died from COVID, and those numbers were skewed. I we would all agree with that. But who's who's died from COVID? How many new cases do we have of COVID? There was some judgment mechanism with climate change. You just you know, there's a storm, there's some hot weather, or some cool weather, some hurricanes hit in more populous areas than we had you know 150 years ago, and all of a sudden it's climate change. You can't you can't gauge anything. You just have to you know, buy it and, and, and embrace it. And what I found interesting during the pandemic is they got people used to getting money from the government. We'll pay you, we'll give you extra cash to do certain things. And you can do that for a short period of time on the fumes of capitalism. But a lot of people actually like that extra cash that came from COVID and they weren't really opposed to it and don't understand that the money that comes from the government is actually then you selling your soul to the government in exchange for your freedom. Yeah, well, they they disrupted our, our thought process on that. As soon as they started taking our taxes out of our paychecks and we weren't actually ri- having to write a check to the government as often, you know, the so the mass <laughs> population, they that sounds foreign to them. You know, it's so far removed, you know, they don't see the effects and they don't understand, like even with um, what's happening with inflation, you know, inflation is just another real tax on on the poor and the middle class. And that's why everything's getting more expensive. They, and they're not making that connection. Meanwhile, you have Biden going out there and saying Bidenomics are working. You know, people are doing great. We're, we're creating all these amazing jobs. I mean, they look at you and they lie. But but some of that people are starting to, I think, wake up to it a little bit more. Are the culture wars that the 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 debates and 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 all the the stuff about transgenderism and Disney and all this stuff is this a distraction from this feudalism that w- w- is really the 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 main goal I mean I, obviously we have kids you have kids we care about you know what these cultural impacts are on them um we're trying to protect their innocence obviously that's important but in some ways it's it's interesting talking to you that really centralization of power, this feudalism, as you describe it, that they're driving us towards. Are they just are we getting dis- too distracted by the culture wars in your view? No, um, I, I just think we need to, again, understand what it is and, and why it is, because, you know, remember what they're doing. They they openly say that we need to reduce the population dramatically. I mean, you know, they they want they want 500 million. They want a half a billion people here and no more. I mean, that's what they talk about. That's the numbers that they cite. So how do you do that? Well, you attack the smallest form of government, which is the family. All of these things with the transgenderism stuff, the sterilizing of kids, the state owning their children, you know, the state governments believe, you know, the government believes that they own the children. Right. So uh, as they're doing that, they're getting people to voluntarily sterilize themselves. They're they're getting, um, you know, people to abort their children. I mean, you know, all of that stuff is is, again, just part of this big issue of we need to reduce the population. We need to have it for us, not for them. You know, all of that stuff is all connected. We need to be alerting to all of these things. You know, the, this transhumanist movement that's kind of erasing the the distinctions between men and women. Um, I, I just had Riley Gaines on my show the other day and, and, um, uh, we, uh, I think we posted it, uh, yesterday, but they, um, uh, uh, people got, they've celebrated Leah Thomas as this, you know, just wow, brave, bold, beautiful, look, you know, living, living according to her true self. Um, but the fact is Leah Thomas is a sexual deviant yeah. and, and all you need to do is look at the posts that her, boyfriend girlfriend they they're they call themselves lesbians now because they're both transgender um but you look at the posts that that boyfriend puts up and and you see the sadomasochism and they uh, they're just weirdos they're creeps yeah and and so all of this stuff is a is a part of all of that attack And, and we need to understand where it's coming from you know why is the left all um you know rowing in the same direction all the time well look i'm a christian boy i'm a bastard's kid uh, you know, they uh, they are animated by Satan. You know, this is a mm-hmm. this is a spiritual war, too. And so we have yes. to understand kind of that top layer of it and recognize who's driving it and recognize that all of these other things that are going on are are manifestations of that stuff. And we have to fight it all. But we have to keep understanding that this is a spiritual war 
you know, we need we need to, you know, return to uh, Christianity. We need to we need to, you know, retune our values in this culture. We need to understand that we need to reject this stuff. But here, yeah. I think we you mentioned Leah Thomas, um, you know, he, he, he's a genetic male who says, I want to compete in female sports. And I wasn't a great, you know, male swimmer, but I can crush it in female swimming. 70% of Americans disagree with the idea that a biological male should compete against women in women's sports. But here we sit in an environment where if you actually say that, you're demonized, you're shunned, you may be canceled. And so the majority, 70%, are silent, or many of them are silent. And here you have men now competing against women. And I think the same thing applies to all the concepts we're talking about today. The majority of Americans, even Democrats, the traditional Democrat, not the leftists, disagrees with the direction the country is going. They want to go back to these these norms where we can debate, we can respect, we can preserve our freedom, as you mentioned, in regard to currency. Um, but they're silent. And I think it's important for people to know you can't outsource your voice to Bryce Eddy or to Rachel Campos Duffy or Pete Hegseth or Sean Hannity. Or Trump. You actually have to use, or Donald Trump, you have to use your voice yourself because you are part of a movement that can actually make our conversation today irrelevant. Because if we all stand together and push back against these concepts, we can go back to these great ideas that are American ideas. But if, if people remain silent or they try to outsource their voice to someone else, um, the, the movement's going to fail and these leftist crazy people are going to actually win the day when the masses disagreed with it. And it's, it's, it's shocking to me but how many people just sit in silence and watch it happen because they're afraid of being called a certain name? Um, and it's powerful. That demonization is powerful. And then therefore it's 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 causes them to self-censor and be silent. I think it's not the names, Sean and Bryce. I think it's also the threat of their livelihood being taken away. Yeah. Um I look, I'm a I'm a bit of a, you know, damn the torpedoes kind of a guy, right? And so, you know, when I started engaging in this stuff um, and I started being vocal, I mean, the transgender issue, I, I said merely and I'm very consistent on this. I, I said that you, it is evil to tell children that happiness lies on the other side of puberty blockers and uh, at, you know, physical mutilation. And and I had almost all of my clients being called, you know, any anybody that I did business with being called, um, it, it costs some money. Um I, I got uh, postcards, uh, you know, Antifa sending postcards to my house, um, you know, uh, with threat implications, you know, hey, we know where you live. Um, Brent, come on by, by the way, guys. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. Um, but but they um, they attack, you know, relentlessly. I mean, the, these are people like we would never do that. Right. We don't we don't think in terms of, you know, OK, I'm going to create a whole campaign and and start you know calling everybody who's associated with these people we just that's not natural to us right um you know we we are like okay you have a stupid idea um you know see ya i'm done with you but people are terrified of of facing that the the but the problem is is if we if we don't if we leave it to us right here on this call you know um we're we're going to get hammered but if all of us stood up and said that's nonsense and we reject it you know it's like the uh i think it was a bug's life where you know the they're against the grasshoppers and there's that great scene where you know the the grasshopper says hey if they all stand up we're in trouble and and that's what we need to engineer yeah. everybody needs to start being brave and being bold and say no i'm not going to do that yeah, you know, it's it's so true. And I it and and it's so important what you said earlier in the show. The time is right now. So if they hear our voices, they might actually be afraid to follow through with what they want to do because they know there's more of us than them. Um and when I talk about them, I you know, we had a podcast not long ago where uh we had this guy an, a, a big advertising executive trying to understand why these corporations were doing what they were doing in Target and so forth. And you know, he cut right to the chase and said, it's the WEF. And it's those people that you were talking about. It's those weird, godless, soulless, globalist oligarchs at the very top 
who are um, trying to divide us, as you said, trying to get us to talk about, you know, isms and 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 sort of engage in these smaller culture wars, which we should be fighting because we need to. But we shouldn't get lost in all that and not realize that it's really about centralizing power for them. They want the land for themselves. You see them buying up tracts of land, uh, Bill Gates and so forth. You see them acting like they own Africa. Um, you know, all the stuff you talked about with population, they've already done that in Africa. They have tried their experiments of of stealing African women's fertility from them. Um, they're spreading this LGBTQ plus um, message into countries that don't want it um, and and holding money as a as to extort money um, over them if they don't do it. And and they're buying off their leaders just as they bought off um, so many of ours. So I, I think I think you're so you're, you're so over the target. Um, and, and that's what I got from that conversation. I mean, kind of just give us your 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 last thoughts, uh, just even maybe as as a dad, as a as the leader of your family. Yeah, sure. Uh, first, it's uh, you got to you got to think about it this way. It's about trillions, not billions of dollars. And yeah. so when when these corporations go down that path of doing what they are told to do, OK, make no mistake, they're being told to do that. The, the few people on top of those organizations, the CEOs, notice how they're not getting fired. And they and, and when they do, if ever they have, you know, uh, m- multiple, multiple millions of golden parachutes and they get bonused when they're doing these things. You know, uh, Disney, um, you know, is under pressure because they're doing really stupid, woke nonsense. If they break and carve up Disney, the the CEO and the executives stand to gain millions of dollars. So it's about trillions versus billions. They're They're, again, accumulating this power. And those folks that are the architects of this will be rewarded. OK, they are breaking everything so they can rebuild it in their own image. But when it comes to family, um, that that is, li- like I said earlier, family is the smallest form of government, and it, and it is the most powerful form of government at its core. If we have strong families in this country and in this, you know, falling republic, um, you know, that's how we can, you know, rise out of the ashes. And so, you know, with my with my girls, um, you know, I am so blessed that they are all uh, quite conservative. They know why they believe what they believe. And this is the thing that I want to emphasize to families. Um, and I said this at a PragerU event, um, you know, years ago, but we need to be teaching our children why we believe what we believe. And so many conservatives and conservative Christian families, well, my kid went to Sunday school and we're conservative. How did, you know, they uh, go off to university and become so corrupted and now they hate me? Well, because around that dinner table, you did not arm them with the why behind the what you believe. And so you need to be having these conversations. You need to know why you believe what you believe, not just I adopted a tribal position. That's what the left does. That's why they won't come on shows like this. They won't actually have arguments. It's because they don't know why they believe what they believe and and none of their policies, none of their ideas stand up to any real scrutiny. And so when your kid gets to a professor that's liberal and they're sitting there in a class and they were Christian their whole life and they were conservative and, and they say something or they hear something and the, the professor says, you are so foolish, so stupid, what a dumb idea. And all the kids roar at them. They don't know how to defend it. And, and we have to get back to teaching our kids our values and principles. If you want to save America, you have to save your family. Amen. It's saving your kids. And if we all save our own families, there's so many of us uh, and we're having kids and they're not, we actually win, but you can't outsource the education of your child to a school system, to your culture, to, to social media, because they will get your child. And which goes to your other point, they said our children are, are theirs. Well, because they, they, they're not having them, they need our children um, yeah, to that's so accomplish true accomplish their, their, their plan and, and fully bring this, you know, full circle into this globalist ide- ideology that they have. And so, uh, great point, sit down, talk to your kids, educate your kids. And this is what, what I learned. I, was, I spent nine years in Congress. And so I had a position that was more powerful than most. And I quickly learned that, um, there was really no power at all. It's a behemoth and yes, it has to be reformed. And yes, federal elections matter, your congressman, your senator, your president. They matter, but the most influence you have is in your home, 
but it's also in your city council and your county board and your school board, you know, in your assembly and center races, your governor races. That's what really can uh, put some Teflon around the way that you want to live around concepts uh, that you believe in that are traditional American concepts. And so we have to be involved in all assets and aspects of, of our government. But Man. the ones that we've kind of forgotten about are the most important, the ones that are closest to us that we have the most control over. So listen, Bryce, Eddie, thank you for joining us. And again, we had, we had the most fascinating conversation with you at dinner. Rachel and I were going to stand up and speak. And, and actually, we didn't want to stand up and speak. We wanted to continue our conversation with you. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was so wonderful. Uh, you're a beacon of light living in a dark land, providing security for, uh, for people uh, who can't afford it. And I, I, like, I like your concepts on how you're thinking through how you're going to protect your own family. I've decided that I want Bryce as a neighbor. <laughs> right. Hey, there's an awesome place. We go down. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, like Bryce, surprise, here tell, we are, Bryce. Tell our, our listeners again where they can find you, how they can get more Bryce Eddy. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you can follow my show on Rumble or any of the podcast apps, and it's just The Bryce Eddy Show, B-R-Y-C-E-E-D-D-Y. I'm Super Bryce Eddy on Instagram if you want to give me a follow. And on Twitter, if you want to see me, you know, just uh, soak up the hate, uh, I'm Bryce Eddy one on Twitter. That's awesome. Well, it's it's great to know there are warriors like you and your wife and your family out there. Um, great advice. Great stuff for us to think about, to put into action. Um, and good to know we're not alone. That's part of that's part of the the. Uh, the weapon that they have on the other side is to make us feel like we're alone and we're not. There's a lot more of us. We just need to get into action. So Bryce, thanks so much for joining us around the kitchen table. Awesome talk. You guys are the best. And I'm going to have you guys on my show next. I love it. Would absolutely love that. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Since the 1970s, working class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. So I appreciate Bryce Heidi for, for uh, joining us on the kitchen table. Uh, listen, I, Rachel, sometimes, again, we think we're alone and the, the thoughts that we have at night as we sit and chat about all the things that are happening in the world. And it's, it is re, uh, uh, remarkable how many people actually are thinking about the same things. They're feeling like something is wrong, which is why it was so interesting to sit by Bryce Eddy at that dinner. And he was like, oh, yeah, no, you're not crazy. And these are some small steps you can take or what you should think about, which is why we wanted to bring him on the podcast. And right. uh, he's insightful and a guy that comes from the security world, right? He's a, right. Um, a, a guy who understands what people should do should things go wrong. I think what was interesting to me and what, you know, I mean, obviously he's a, you know, he's trained in martial arts. He's got all this, you know, security experience. He's, like I said, the kind of guy that if the zombie apocalypse happens, you want him to be your neighbor and help you talk through, you know, what you need to do um, and help your family out. Obviously has all that. But again, he was having conversations, you know, years before the riots happened, years before the pandemic. Uh, and and predicting this and he's on you know you can pull up those those podcasts and he and the people he was talking to and having these conversations with uh, you know from all kinds of walks of life some of them were you know data-driven conversations other you know were political and historical but they were having these conversations looking at what was happening you know I think things became much more clear to those kind of people to him and the people he was talking to post Barack Obama and they were like, things are changing. And we all felt the change, Sean. I mean, 
we're, we're seeing, you know, the, the stuff we're seeing under under Joe Biden seems really shocking. But we need to be really clear that this has been a long plan, but it really went into overdrive with Barack Obama, our first socialist president, somebody who, you know, came out of the the bowels of that, you know, academic world where so many of these radicals had burrowed for so many years. And um, and he came out of that world and he immediately put his people. I mean, you, you, we had that, that great podcast, Sean, where you, you really distilled the number one problem in America as the deep state. And that deep state that we're seeing now weaponized against us was in so many ways um, really built by Barack Obama. He put his his um, his troops, his radical troops into, you know, a federal bureaucracy where you couldn't fire them. And um, and they started to run things and weaponize things against uh, people who share our point of view. And so what we're seeing now is just, you know, Obama's third term. We all know that um, that Joe Biden is is not running things. He's just a corrupt jerk who got in and, um, you know, has to keep things going so he doesn't have his his corruption exposed, although it is being exposed and nothing's being done about it. but uh, but but that's the benefit of having a weaponized government, right? Uh, well, on your side, it isn't. Well, I just I something doesn't feel right, and I think that's yeah. what a lot of Amer- Americans are picking up. It's like I don't maybe know I can't put my finger on it, but it doesn't. This doesn't feel normal. It doesn't feel right, and I think a lot of people, um, and I have this hope as well. But I hope that it can go back to the way it was. I hope we can go back to, again, a respectful government that respects people's points of view and respects people's rights. I just, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they've gotten to your point in our prior podcast. They've, in, they've burrowed into the deep state and are now able to use that deep state, um, for political power and to punish their, the, the, the enemies of viewpoints that, that don't want to see a Marxist society. And so, um, the question becomes, if you can't beat it, if we're not going to beat it, because beat it because enough people are not going to stand up, what do you do? How do you think through this stuff? And again, when it doesn't feel right, your gut is usually pretty accurate. You should follow your gut. And that's why we've done just in these conversations about what should we think about? What should we do? And you and I have taken a few small steps um, as we think through this process. I mean, I don't have a, I don't have, you know, two months of food or Three months of toilet paper, a lot of butts in our house with nine kids. We don't have that, but we are thinking through it because it doesn't feel normal. It doesn't feel right. Some a transition is happening in this country and it's not for the better. And so it's these kind of conversations, I think, that are very yeah. helpful in helping us form what we should do, how we should advance even, our thinking Sean, around even if, even if the zombie accomplice doesn't happen, I think the conversation we had in our last podcast with John uh, Daniel Davidson. Um, if you if you didn't hear it, you, uh, I encourage people to go back and listen to it, um, where he talked about the virtues of living in that homestead tribal mode anyway, for its own sake. Um, because living sort of closer to nature and closer, more importantly, closer to your family and to intergenerational living is really how we were meant to live. It's how we just for our own souls um, is better. And so I think a a lot of people are thinking that way. You know, you and I know, we can't even count the amount of people we know who are now either have gone and, 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 and started living like that on the, on the land. um, Some of our closest friends, um, but also others who are in the process of, of looking at land and going, you know, how do I bring my, my, my adult kids closer so we're not, they're not across the country and they're living, you know, down the road for me. And so are my grandkids. I, I think that whether or not this system breaks, this is a good way to live. So a couple of things, I, I always, I preface it in this conversation, but if I talk to a lot of people, I'll preface it with I'm crazy, but I know I'm not because when I, when I have a conversation with someone, I'm not afraid to talk about what my concerns are, which I talked about today. Almost every single person I talk to, they agree. They're like, and, and I've, and I've thought about it myself, the number of people who are thinking about what's happening and how they should think through the changes that are coming. So many people have done it. So many people we know have made changes in their life. They're living, they might've been living in the greater DC area. They moved out. 
and they still might have a job reporting on DC, but they're they're living, they're living somewhere else. Same thing in New York or New Jersey. They're getting out to go to other places where they feel safer and they have a government, at least on the state side or the city side, that reflects their values and and their viewpoint. And so um, I think that's a really that's really important that a lot of people won't say it like we will, but a lot of people are thinking about it and making personal choices. You talk about going back and living on the land. I don't know that we're not, we're not going to be a little house in the prairie, but there was a time in American history, not that long ago, probably pre-World War II, even after World War II, people knew how to grow vegetables and have some chickens and a cow. We've lost all those skill sets. People probably knew how to can not that long ago. We're reliant now on this infrastructure um, of, of trade and growing things in, in areas. Again, we get, we get avocados in the winter. Um, in all parts of the country. This system is really wonderful and beautiful, but if it breaks, can you care for yourself? Can you raise a chicken? I can't. Can you raise a cow? By the way, we can't have chickens because Rachel doesn't like chickens. Can you have a cow? Can you milk a cow? Can you grow a vegetable? Those are things that we're not very good at, but we should be. And we're going to start looking at that because again, it's self-sufficiency. Can I take care of myself? Should I have to? And you need skills now um, that you'll have to use later uh, should the should the time come to pass? Yeah, it's a great conversation. I'm glad we're having it. I'm glad we, you know, sometimes we have those. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that we got to sit next to Bryce um, and his beautiful wife um, during that dinner. I thought it was meant to be. You and I had been having these conversations. It gave us a lot of insight, and I'm so glad we could share it with everybody and and get people talking about it. Um, and as I said, if nothing else, for for its own sake, um, this idea of, and by the way, the, the one takeaway he said was, do not live in a blue city. So if you're listening um, to us from a blue city, it's just not worth the risk. Um, you know, you might, you know, you can live maybe in a blue state in a rural area or, you know, but he, he also talked about some of these red states with really massive blue cities. So lots to think about. Um, great talking wow, about it. Wow. Great guy. And I'm glad we had it. Me too. And uh, as we do this uh, from the kitchen table, you get to be up in beautiful northern Wisconsin as I'm in New Jersey in a blue state. Can you hear state, the waves so on the beach? Because there's I, people water skiing. I, it's so <laughs> the water's like glass. Oh, so gorgeous. I, I, I can't hear it, but I my heart wishes that I was there actually water skiing on that glass. But uh, that shouldn't be this week. I'm here in New Jersey waiting for your You're return. You're coming back. You're coming back. I will. So listen, thank you all for joining us at the kitchen table. Uh, Rachel and Sean separated today, but back together next week. Um, thank you for joining us. If you like our podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast. Uh, you'll get a notice every time our new podcast drop. Uh, right now we're Wednesday, Thursday, Friday uh, with the two of us. So uh, again, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you tuning in. Bye, everybody. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.